morning. And um, get this on. So we're going to be actually starting a, a new series here at Living Hope. Uh, we love Jesus. We want to have an undaunted faith in an unlimited God. And we've just finished this series on Jesus and uh, leading up to Easter. And it's bring us, I want to really just kind of bring us back to the theme this year that we're talking about the idea of transformation. And the idea of transformation is this is a part of our church's overall focus on discipleship. That we believe that this is God's command, that, uh, that we as a church, that we as individuals not only be disciples, but make disciples. This law, lifelong process of becoming more like Jesus day by day. And we, we're going to this idea that there are kind of three components to discipleship. There's a personal choice that all of us really must say uh, we want to follow Jesus Christ. We want to honor and, and obey in when he commands us. And then the second thing is that there's spiritual transformation, that discipleship is not just um, me doing the right things or me being a good Christian, but we really believe that, hey, God's going to transform us. He's going to change us. He's going to use the power that is within us through the Holy Spirit to bring about uh, this, this, this person, or the, the characteristics of Jesus Christ in our life. And then finally, the idea of mission, that we're being transformed so that we may go out and share the gospel uh, with those who need to hear. And so, our, so we've been looking at the second element, and that is the area of transformation. We've been challenging uh, each other to, to focus on our personal spiritual life, that this is the year that we really want to see God make some major changes in who we are and, and how we live the, the life of Christ, that this is not just like, um, you know, simple effort, like I'm just going to do the right things. Uh, you know, like sometimes we make resolutions like I'm going to go on a diet, I'm going to lose weight, I'm going to eat better, I'm going to exercise. But no, this is more, discipleship is more about um, surrender. It's this idea that, that, that I want to surrender a particular area in my life that, that is not entirely pleasing to God, that I know that God wants to get a hold of. And, and we say, hey, I want to surrender and cooperate with the Spirit of God that is within me so that God might really make a change uh, in this particular area, really transform me, change me, even if the cost, even if the personal cost to me is very high. And we, we've been looking at, you know, the 113, oops, the 113 uh, uh, commitments, and, and we've been talking about being a gracious community in a world that's filled with anger. And today we really want to look at uh, what we're going to be starting is kind of a, a three-part series on what it means to be spiritually transformed in a busy world. And this, again, is both personally and communally together as a church. You know, two weeks ago, I was walking and I was praying over Luke 24 because we were saying, hey, we should pray for this as we prepare for Easter. And as I was meditating on this passage, um, I felt like the Spirit of God uh, really drew my heart to Jesus' words in verse 38. And this is, this is, he says, Jesus, this is at the resurrection and he's appearing to the disciples and for some reason, my mind just kind of went to this verse, and Jesus was saying, why are you troubled? Why do doubts arise in your hearts? Look at my hands and my feet. Is it not me? Saying, I, I'm risen. And, and as I was reading it and praying, I felt like, wow, God was, you're saying to this to me personally, as, as I, I was walking, and I was saying, God, I felt like God was saying to me, you know, why are you troubled? Why are there so many doubts arising in your heart? And that Jesus was saying, look at my hands, look at my feet, look, look at the fact that I'm alive. And, and, and let your troubles and your doubts 
look at them in the light of the resurrection. And, and I felt like everything would change and everything did change as I was sitting there because I was thinking about, oh, you know, oh, this and oh, God, I need this and this is not working and I'm really worried about this area and I'm really worried about this person and, you know, how is this going to happen? And, oh, God, I just have so many struggles about this and that and I'm worried about them and I'm troubled by them. And I just felt like this picture of Jesus standing next to me and me saying all these things and then looking at him and going, oh, that's right, you're the resurrected Lord. Why am I even worried about this? I mean, honestly, that's what I felt like, that I was looking at Jesus, saying all these things about my worries, and then looking over and looking at Jesus, and Jesus saying, I'm risen from the dead, and then me responding going, that's right. Why, why am I troubled, God? Why am I worried? Why, why am I worried about all these things? Because you've risen from the dead. There's, there's nothing to, to fear. There's nothing to be really troubled about when I look at uh, these things in light of Jesus Christ. And it was really cool too because when I was telling Rita about this and she was saying, oh yeah, in her personal devos as well, she was feeling like the Lord was saying exactly the same thing to her. So we thought, hey, this is a God moment that, that God's really speaking to us as a couple saying, hey, you know, I really want you to know I'm risen from the dead. I'm going to take care of you. Everything as you think about your future and whatever, those things are, are, those, those things are nothing in comparison to the idea that I'm risen from the dead. I'm going to take care of them. And, and so this sermon series, we want to look at living the deep spiritual life in a time of, of busyness uh, and, and stress. Um, because really, uh, that's where we are right now. And, and the busyness and the craziness of this world just really fills our minds oftentimes with a lot of stress a lot of troubles. In his book, Making All Things New, An Invitation to the Spiritual Life, Henri Nouwen says this, and I like this author, he's really good. He says, one of the obvious, the most obvious characteristics of our daily lives is that we are busy. There's a nagging sense that there are unfinished tasks, unfulfilled promises, and unrealized dreams in our lives. There's always something else that we should have remembered and should have done. In fact, it's very hard not to be busy because being busy has become a status symbol. People expect us to be busy and to have many things on our minds. The general assumption is that it is good to be busy. Being busy and being important often seem to mean the same thing. In our production-oriented society, being busy, having an occupation, has become one of the main ways if not the main way of identifying ourselves. And, and we feel this, right? I mean, if somebody says, you know, how, how are you doing? We say, oh, I'm so busy. If we say, oh, I don't have anything to do, it's like, well, that's, what do you mean you don't have anything to do? What's wrong with you? you know? So it's always like, how late did you stay? How much, you know, things like this. And, and, and in our lives right now, it's this busyness that, that really fills us. And in this sermon series, you know, we want to ask, how do I have really a deep, spiritual life in a busy world, in the midst of this restless and, and hectic life that we all live in. Whether you have a, 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 a professional career or uh, you know, you're, we're caring for family or even retired, there's just really a sense of so many things to do. And we ask these questions to ourselves often. We say, we wonder, you know, what do I really want in life? Because we say, I have no time to even think about that. We ask, you know, am I living, am I living it right now? 
the things that are important to me, or, or if it's not now, when is this going to happen? When am I going to get to the things that I really want to do in life? Do I feel at peace with God? Do I feel happy with my relationship with God? Uh, am I really following God's will, doing the thing that God wants me to do? Am I able to hear his voice, know his leading? You know, these and many other uh, questions like these, they express this, this desire to have a genuine spiritual life. Like it's in us, uh, but, but we live in such a busy world. And I believe that this is, Jesus is talking to us and he is, is telling us that we must find this peace uh, in this world in which we live. And I'd like you to turn with me to Luke chapter 10, verse 38, a very familiar passage, but again, we'll gain some new insights in this. Let's all stand in reverence for the word of God. In verse 38, it says, Now as they were on their way, Jesus entered a village, and a, a woman named Martha welcomed him into her house. And she had a sister called Mary, who sat at the Lord's feet and listened to his teaching. But Martha was distracted with so much serving. And she went up to Jesus and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Tell her to help me. But the Lord answered her, Martha, Martha, you, you are anxious and troubled about many things. But only one thing is necessary. Mary has chosen the good portion which will not be taken away from her. May the Lord bless the reading of his word. You may be seated. Now again, this is a very familiar passage. From this passage, we're going to see, understand uh, what it means or how to find peace in a busy world. We want to see some of the damaging effects that busyness actually has on the soul and how to take practical steps to escape kind of this, this modern day malady. Now in this passage, we have this familiar story of Mary and Martha, and they're invited, uh, they've invited Jesus to their house. We see Mary is sitting at Jesus' feet, listening to him, and it says, but Martha was distracted with much serving. And she complains, she actually complains to Jesus, and, and, and Jesus answers her, and he says, Martha, you are anxious and troubled about many things. And I look at that verse, and I feel like that encapsulates the Silicon Valley. Basically, you can, Put your name right in here. Any one of us can fill your name right here. Pastor Harrison, Pastor Harrison, you are anxious and troubled about many things. Just put your name there, and I'm pretty sure it, it, it describes who we are. See, now, sometimes we think of this, and the idea of being anxious, in the Bible, it's interesting because the Greek word for anxious can be translated a number of different ways. One of the ways is anxious, where it's like really like worried and, 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 and messed up inside. But another way that they translate it, it's used in other contexts, is the idea, is the word concerned. And when they use the word concerned, uh, it's actually in a positive sense, you know, this intense concern for the work of the kingdom. Or this concern when we see the suffering of others you know, that are near us. Or our concern for uh, the lost who, who don't know Jesus. And concern is actually appropriate when we direct um, our energy and our thoughts towards the right things. When we keep them within the boundaries of, of reason. And when it causes us to do the things that God calls us to do. See, being busy is not the problem. It's being busy doing the right things. When we're busy doing the right things in the right way, then that's a good thing. But anxiousness comes when we're busy doing the things that are of little worth. 
or we're busy doing things in a way that God never meant us to do them. And so the first step to finding peace is not necessarily to reduce activity, um, but rather to move our activities from worthless things to eternal things. That's really what God is calling us to do because this is the thing is, sometimes we say, well, when I find the time, I can really do the things that I need to do. But technically, you can't find time, right? I mean, it's there. <laughs> You're not gonna have more time than you had yesterday. We all have 24 hours, we all have to sleep. So you're not gonna find extra time to do the things that you think are important. So if you wait till you get more time, you're not gonna get any. The thing is, is that we say, hey, we need to take the time that we're given right now and find out how do we take that time and take it away from being uh, given to uh, worthless activities and really move it towards eternal things. That's really what God is saying. Now in this time, um, <clears throat> Martha's heart is overwhelmed and she is, uh, uh, has numerous things that press on her life and because of that, it actually does affect her behavior. Like she actually, you can tell she has no peace. It's not like, oh, this is great, you know, Mary, you're, you're being hospitable, you're exercising your gift of hospitality. I'm sure she does that in other cases, but in this case, that's not the case because what is she doing? She's angry. She's mad at Mary. There's, there's a sense of pride in her. You know, I'm doing these things. Jesus, why isn't Mary doing these things? And she even says to Jesus, don't you care? That really does reveal in her heart that her serving or her busyness really is not the right way of doing things, because she's actually even saying to, to Jesus, wow, don't you care? Um, see, we all accept that we're going to be busy. That's just gonna be a part of life. Uh, but there needs to be a time when we begin to identify when this busyness becomes detrimental to our soul, when we start acting in ways that are not honoring to God. Uh, when there are things about us, our actions, our words, or even just our internal spirit, where we know something's not right. You know, I was sharing with uh, my community group on Friday. <coughs> For the longest time, I literally was living off of four to six hours of sleep per night. And, um, and I was experiencing a lot of tiredness, lack of concentration, but for the longest time, I just kind of thought that it was normal. In fact, in college, I was trying to find uh, like solutions to this, and then my, one of my solutions in college was, instead of sleeping four hours every night, I'm gonna sleep eight hours every other night, so that at least, I, and, it, and it worked for a while, because what I did was, I actually, I was reading up on it saying, okay, four hours is not enough to get REM sleep, but eight hours you can get REM sleep, so I need that REM sleep, but I still want those hours to work, so I'll just, sleep eight hours every other night and I can stay up and I'll still have the same amount of time but at least I'll get the REM sleep and of course obviously um, that didn't work and then you know when I get it when I start working then I discovered coffee and I was like whoa coffee this is a solution to my problems now I can get six hours of sleep a night and I can be jacked up on coffee every day and still you know get everything done and and so that was a solution and I'm like oh but you know the real solution is what? The real solution is go to sleep. Why are you feeling tired every day? Why are you feeling restless every day? Why are you having a lack of concentration every day? Just go to sleep. And sometimes the solution is right in front of us 
but we try every possible way to do something else so that we can do the things that we want. And I was telling the community group, I was saying, like, wow, since I started getting eight hours of sleep a night, wow, I actually feel really good for the first time in my life. I felt like, boy, I feel pretty rested during the day. I feel good. I feel happy when I wake up in the morning, you know? And I, and I you know, and I'm like, wow, this is a good feeling. I never had it before. Well, I probably had it when I was a kid, but it was so long since I had it. But, you know, there's this sense that sometimes we don't realize when we get into these bad habits how certain things really eat away at our soul. And then we start living this way, this busyness, and we let this busyness tear up our lives, and we just think it's normal. And we think, well, I'll just try to find ways to get around it so I can still get all the things that I want out of this world. Uh, but, but no one says that there are, are four things that we need to really watch out for that really says this is what begins to affect our souls. Now, there's a lot of physical things that happen uh, in the busyness of life, and we're not gonna talk about those, but there are, are four um, spiritual things that happen in our lives that really affect us spiritually. We need to watch out for when busyness overcomes our lives. The first one is um, this sense of worry. Now, there's a lot of things related to worry, but I want to kind of narrow down what, what worry in scripture, worry is the result of a lack of appropriate trust in God. That's when we worry, when we can't trust in God for the things that he has told us we can trust him in. And for example, in Matthew chapter six, Jesus tells his disciples, hey, don't worry about your life. He says, therefore, I tell you, don't be anxious about your life, meaning I'm gonna provide everything for you. He talks about, you know, I provide for the, 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 the birds of the air, I provide for uh, the, the, the lilies of the field, and he says, I promise I'm gonna provide for you. And so Jesus, he's saying, don't worry, because this worry really is a lack of faith in what God has provided. We don't believe that he will provide for us, and so we begin to worry. Worry is when we question God's faithfulness, and this is detrimental to the soul when our heart begins to worry. See, because when we're busy with many things, um, I'm not saying we're busy doing garbage stuff, and we're busy doing good things, right? We're busy doing work, that's a good thing. We're busy taking care of our children, that's a good thing. We're busy uh, taking care of things for the future that we anticipate coming in our lives, that's a good thing. But here's the problem. Sometimes when we're super busy doing these things and we don't have a deep spirituality, it's really easy to slip into a worldly mentality that I don't need to trust God anymore. And so we say, well, I don't need to trust God for my provision because I can trust in myself to do a good job. And if I keep doing a good job and keep getting those good reviews, work performance reviews, then I'm going to be okay. We say, well, I don't need to trust God for my children because what I'm doing is I'm trusting in my own parenting skills. I'm trusting in what everyone is telling me of what I need to do so that my kids will succeed. We say, well, I don't need to trust in God for my future anymore because I, I can trust in my own preparedness and my own ability to, to know what to do in the future. But see, when we start doing this, we start to worry. Why? 
because we start realizing, I can't control these things. Things start coming into our work and, 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 and our family and our, our lives, and we start saying, wow, there's so much pressure now. I have to take care of this and that. It's, it's all on my shoulders. And then worry, worry starts coming in our lives more and more and more. Why? Not because we have these things going on, but because we've lost this trust in God. And Jesus says to the disciples, he says, you know, the Gentiles... That's what characterizes the Gentiles because they don't have God. They don't trust in God and they run after all these things. And he says, you guys, you as believers, you as followers of Jesus Christ, you who know that God is faithful, you are not to be like them because your father knows that you need these things so you can trust him. So, so, so worry... Um, can be taken out of the picture. See, worry is not due diligence. Worry is not, work, not about working hard. Worry is about a lack of trust. It is about living just like the world. And when we live just like the world, our hearts, it, it begins to kill our soul, affects our soul, because we no longer trust God. The second ailment of a busy life is preoccupation. Now, preoccupation is different than worry. Preoccupation means to forsake the present by always living in the future. This is the mind, this is the person that goes, oh, well, what if this happens? Oh, what if that happens? What if I lose my job? Oh, what, if, what if we get sick? Oh, what if, uh, you know, etc. What if this happens? So they're constantly thinking about all these fears that could happen in the future, and they're no longer living in the present, they're no longer thinking about what's going on presently, what God's trying to do or what God is doing in their lives. And even if God is providing so much stuff for them and they're worrying, well, if God is providing me all this, what if I lose it? What if, what if it's taken away all of a sudden? What if the stock market drops and I lose all this money and we no longer can thank God for all that he's provided because we're still worrying, we're preoccupied with the fears that could happen in the future. And, 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 and since we're preparing for all these things that may never happen, uh, we have these fears and, and, and we, we're not able to live um, for the here and now. Like Jesus says, don't be anxious about tomorrow. Tomorrow will be anxious about itself. Tomorrow will worry about itself. You know, there's sufficient for the day is its own trouble. Meaning, you know, think about today. There's enough to think about today in what God is doing in your life today, the things that you need to do for the Lord today as you live for him. There's enough of that right now. Uh, you don't need to, to take on what's going to happen even tomorrow. We don't even just take on what's going to happen tomorrow. We take on what's going to happen 10 years from now when I retire. Oh, what's going to happen then? I better start preparing now. Oh, I just found out they have a new thing where you can invest in this and this and, and buy this type of insurance. That. Oh, I never thought about that. I better think of this insurance because 20 years from now, I might need this. I might need that. And pretty soon, we're just constantly fearful of what's going to happen in the future. It may never happen. James says, you don't know what will happen tomorrow. Who knows? He says, whoever knows the right thing to do and fails to do it right now, for him, it is sin. And that's the issue, is that, 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 that God desires for us, uh, busyness tends to make us preoccupied with the future. I and mean, that's why we're so busy, right? We're not so busy because we need so much money right now. We're so busy because we're worried about retirement. We're worried about what 
What school are kids, what happens if my kid goes to uh, 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 a master's program? What if they go to get a doctorate? Or what if they can't find a job? Or what if they want to live here and they have to buy a house? And we start thinking about, that's why we're busy, right? We're not busy about what's happening right here. We're busy about what's going to happen five years from now, 10 years from now, 20 years from now. That's preoccupation. The third ailment that comes out of a busy life is actually boredom. Now, this is surprising. And this, again, was in the book, and I, I found it really surprising. And this may seem less obvious, but what the writer was saying is that oftentimes we keep busy so as not to feel bored. But it's just a cover-up. See, boredom is not a problem of doing nothing or having nothing to do. Boredom is the problem of having nothing worthwhile to do. Boredom is a matter of feeling unfulfilled in life. Boredom is the idea that I've given so much to things that don't matter at all, or that the things that I'm doing right now, I feel like they're useless or purposeless. I, I wonder, why am I doing? Why am I doing all this? Why am I killing myself? And, and it's boring. Or we say, well, I, I'm trying to fill myself with fun and frivolity and, and spend all this money and do all these things and, 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 and enjoy the good life. But in the end, uh, these things, because they're not worthwhile, they get boring. So, well, oh, where's the next place I can go to? What's a better hotel that I can go to? What's another you know, exciting thing that I can do? Why do we keep doing this? Not because um, you know, we, some of it is really boredom. We just say, I, I'm looking for something that is worthwhile, and I can't find it. The fourth and final ailment uh, that comes from a busy life is disconnection. And disconnection is, sorry, I'm having a little trouble with this thing here. Okay, there we go. Um, disconnection is the idea, is there anyone who really cares? Disconnection and loneliness comes from busyness. I mean, when we're busy, you know, we, we have no time for people, or our time for people is so restricted. And, you know, we, we, we ask the question, you know, is, is there anybody who really cares? Um, how do we, you know, aside from conflicts, how do we normally lose friends? We lose it because of busyness, right? It's like, I'm so busy, I haven't had a chance to catch up with so-and-so, and oh yeah, my friend is in, man, they're, they're in the area, but oh, I'm just so busy, they're just so busy, and we just haven't had that time, and we keep saying, oh, we gotta get together this time, oh, we gotta get together, and we never do. And pretty soon we start feeling, is there anyone who really cares? Is there, you know, I feel lonely. We say, well, I can hang around people with people at a party or meet at lunch or even at church, but, but I want more than that. We want people who will journey with us in the difficulties in life, really share in the passions of our lives. And, and sometimes it's the busyness that, that of the world, and we allow that to rob us of these experiences, opportunities, and, and what happens is we begin to feel disconnected isolated, and this leads to many, many ailments, uh, uh, depression, uh, anxiety, uh, uh, just, just a lot of things when we become isolated. And so we want to look at this and really say, you know, yeah, I'm busy, I'm living in this place, I accept that I have to be busy, but 
am I feeling like I'm putting a lot of trust in myself? That I'm, I'm having this trouble really trusting. I'm not having that peace of God that comes from trusting in Him. Am, am I feeling like I'm too preoccupied, that I'm so overcome by fears of the future that I'm, I, I no longer see like what God is doing right now. I, I have trouble appreciating the things that God is doing in my life right now because I'm so worried about the future. Even the good things in life, I can't enjoy them because I'm so thinking, I'm living in the future. Um, I'm bored. I'm so busy and I sit back and I just really say, why? Why am I doing all these things, God? And then finally, you know, disconnected. Do I really feel like I'm lonely? I'm, I'm isolated. I'm hurting. And I have nowhere to go. And no one to speak to. And we say, well, it's part of my fault because I just isolated myself. Why did I isolate myself? See, this is a good indication that within things are not right in our soul, that the busyness has crossed over from being something that's acceptable to something that's really unacceptable for us spiritually. And so, so we want to say, you know, how do we then deal with this? What do we do? How do I um, address uh, this, this, this malady? We could say, well, I'll wait. I'll wait till life gets better. I mean, there are certain stages in life where life is a bit more busy, there's more demands, but we say, well, maybe I'll wait till um, this stage in life is over and then I can find my time with Jesus, devote my time for serving and spend more time with my friends and things like that. And, uh, but we wait and it never comes. We say, well, maybe I'll run, I'll escape from the busyness of life. And how do we escape? We run and go enjoy things. We, we say, I'm gonna go on this vacation, I'm gonna go do this, I'm gonna take a, you know, and, and, but yet at the same time we find, well, but I still, I just bring this busyness and anxiety wherever I go. Even on vacation, I still think about it. It still weighs me down. See, if you look at Jesus, Jesus in his commands regarding business, Jesus does not advocate us leaving this busy world. But rather, Jesus says he invites us to live different in this busy world. That, that, that he, he says he wants us to, to choose to live in a way that God meant for us to live in a busy world. See, God answered, uh, Jesus answered to Martha. He says, Martha, Martha, you're anxious, you are anxious and troubled by many things, but only one thing is necessary. Mary has chosen the good thing and it will not be taken away from her. And this idea, he says, Mary has chosen the good portion. And, and what's interesting here is Jesus is saying that the deeper spiritual life, the key to it actually is choosing. Now, we're gonna go into this more in the next message, but I wanna at least just go through kind of three observations we can get from just this passage in regards to how to respond to the busyness of life, finding peace in the busyness of life. The first one is the idea that it's your choice. He says, Martha, he says that, that Mary has chosen the good thing. See, we have a choice in this. God empowers us to have this victory. God empowers us to be able to live the deep spiritual life. That really the problem is not a matter of 
I took the wrong job, I live in the wrong place, or my kids aren't cooperating, or whatever it is, or sickness, and, and that's not the issue. The issue is choice. The issue is, what am I choosing in terms of how I'm using what time and, and the life that God has given to me? And, 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 and Jesus saying, let's, no excuses anymore, no putting it off, no waiting for something to happen or waiting for more time to drop in your lap. The time now is to make a choice. Second observation, I thought this was really, this is really interesting. Less speaking, more listening. Now, this is really interesting because I read a commentary on this passage and the author actually was, <laughs> was my professor, who I really like. I mean, I loved him at seminary. He was a really good guy, deeply spiritual man, and a deep scholar as well. And in the commentary, he made this really interesting observation. He said, do you notice in this passage that Martha is telling Jesus what she thinks he should do? Jesus, tell Mary to do this. Jesus, don't you care about this? She's, all she's doing is telling Jesus what to do. She's not saying, hey, Jesus, can you tell me what am I supposed to do here? But in contrast to that, Mary is listening to what Jesus wants to say to her. Right? Jesus sitting at her feet. I mean, Mary's sitting at Jesus' feet, and she's listening to what Jesus is saying to her. So there's this contrast here of this spiritual life and busyness where, where one person is talking and just telling Jesus, do this, do that. Why did you do this, Jesus? What's wrong with you, Jesus? Why aren't you doing this? And another person just sitting quietly before Jesus and receiving from him, whatever that is, whatever God wants to say to her however she wants to, he wants to speak to her. And we may say, well, this sounds like a little thing, but I believe it's a big thing. It makes a big difference because we do spend a lot of time, even our prayers and our quiet time, we say, well, I'm going to have quiet time with God. I'm going to spend time with God and I'm going to read God's word. And then we're like praying like, God, can you do this? God, I'm worried about this. God, uh, this person, I'm really afraid for them. God, can you take care of this? Oh, this passage, how does it speak to this situation in my life? And we're telling God what we want him to do. We're telling God, you know, all of our problems. We're telling God, this is my situation. We're telling God all these things. And, you know, it's not really being with God. And we say, well, or am I spending time listening? to what Jesus wants to say. You know, sometimes when I go on my prayer retreats, and I try to go on a prayer retreat, you know, at least every other week or once a week, and it can be anywhere from 30 minutes to sometimes even three hours if I have the time. And uh, sometimes before I used to feel this pressure that like, I have to make the time worthwhile. If I spent three hours praying, there's gotta be something that I got out of it, you know, that I could share. And then Rita will sometimes say, when I come back, she goes, so what did God say to you? And I'm like, oh, pressure, you know, <laughs> what did God say to you? <laughs> you know, um, because sometimes there's this expectation that if you spend time with God, he's going to solve some problem. He's going to do something for you. He's going to take care of something. He's going to give you this big insight so that you can take care of something. But really, sometimes God just wants you to be with him. Just a half an hour, just sit and be with him. And we say, well, gee, God, it didn't solve any of my problems. God says, that, that's not why you come to me, is it? Just to solve all your problems all the time? We say, well, God, I, you know, I still have all these issues and 
things going on. He said, well, God says, well, is that why you come? Because you, you expect that you come and I suddenly solve all these things for you? No, we, we want to come and just be with Jesus. And if he speaks to us and he solves our problems, praise God, because that was the time. But if he doesn't and he just says, just be with me. Just enjoy the fact that I'm here and that I'm with you. And let that be enough. And usually it is, if we let it. And, 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 and so we, we need to really just say, spend that time listening, not speaking. The final thing that we see just from this passage is this idea of looking for, choose the one thing. As you see, Jesus says to Martha, he says, um, you are anxious and troubled by many things. So there's this contrast of many things, but only one thing is necessary right now. Mary's chosen that good portion, which will not be taken away from her. And, you know, when we read this passage, we're always looking and go, oh, Jesus, what's that one thing? If I could find out what that one thing is, it will solve all my problems, you know. Is that one thing sitting at Jesus, if I spend more time sitting at Jesus' feet, uh, is that the one thing? It's going to make everything good, you know. And, and again, it's our, our, our solution oriented, our busy oriented mind. If I can just find that one thing and, and maximize my time in doing that one thing, then everything else will be fine. You know, if I can just break that code, uh, maybe in the Greek text, Pastor Harrison, is there something in the Greek text, you know, that if I study it, I'll find the one thing and then I just do that one thing, you know, once a day and then everything will be fine. Um, honestly, the one thing can kind of be almost anything. But the issue is not the one thing. The issue is which will not be taken away from her. I, I really think that's the one thing. That, that depending on the situation, there's always going to be all the things that have no eternal consequence, that mean nothing for eternity. There's going to be all those things. But in every situation, there's always going to be that one thing that has eternal value that can never be taken away from you, that we somehow tend to miss because we're so busy, because we're so waiting, you know, asking God, give me this, do this for me right now, take this, you know, et cetera, et cetera. And, and we miss the fact that God's saying, there's one thing right now in your life right now or in your situation that will never be taken away from you. And if you choose that, then you'll find peace. And so from a practical standpoint, the question is, are we looking for that one thing that has eternal value? Are we, are we looking each day for that one thing that will never be taken away from us? Jesus is in all the craziness of the day and all the responsibilities that we have to take care of and we have to take care of them. Jesus is not saying just throw all this stuff to the wind and don't care about them. But he's saying that there's also some things that are right in front of you that have eternal worth. And please, please, don't let your cares of all the other things keep you from choosing at least that one thing. 
that one thing that you want me to do, that one act of love, that one act of service, that one intentional choice that will, 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 will deepen my spiritual life, that will produce spiritual fruit that I will never regret because the benefits will never perish, that I'll never regret of the worldly sacrifices that I had to make to do this one thing or to choose this one thing. That's really the challenge for our lives. So I really want to set this challenge for even just this week, finding peace in a busy world. Um, it's my choice to really sit down and say, am I going to, to, to stop making the excuses and stop saying this is just not the right time, God? This is just, you know, a, a stage and when this is over, I'll take care of these things. No, choices right now. Choices, am I going to stop and pray? Am I going to stop spending time uh, watching so much TV, uh, playing games tonight? Am I going to stop and, and, and love somebody, uh, choose to serve somebody? Am I going to stop and, and instead of just getting my work done, show kindness to someone? Am I going to stop and, and talk to Jesus, to talk to someone about the gospel? Am I going to stop worrying about this thing finally and really trust God and say, God, I release and, and surrender this aspect of my life to you? Those are the choices that God is asking us to make that will keep the busyness from destroying our lives. Second, am I going to listen to God today? Will I take the time to pray and read? Will I take the time to really sit and, and let God speak? And let God have the reign over my life to do what He wants to do? Even if what he wants to do is just say, my child, I want you to just sit in my presence for half an hour in silence. We say, God, that's such a waste of time. No. If that's what God wants, that's what we should do. If God says that's what's going to be good for our soul, that we trust him and we do it. And finally, we ask, Je ask God, ask Jesus, each day, what's that one thing? What's that one thing that you want me to do today, Jesus? I mean, it could be a really big thing or it could be a really small thing. It could be a, a sacrifice or it could be a, just a little inconvenience. It might be a, a huge step of faith or it may just be a little step outside of my comfort zone. It might be something I do for others or it might be something I have to do for myself, for my own relationship with God. It might have something that has visible results or it might have something that has invisible results. It might be something that is appreciated and noticed and it might be something that no one else will ever know. But whatever it is, it will be something that we will never regret because it will be something that will be never taken away from us. That's what God wants. As let's go ahead and let's just spend some time in quietness before the Lord right now and, and we have this time to be, God affords us this time to be in his presence in quietness away from the busyness and choose right now, even right now at this moment, to say, this is your time, God, for me to listen and to just be with you.
And whatever you want to say now or whatever you want to say to me during the week, you know, God, I'm listening. And I want to see those things, God. And when you show me those things, those one thing, that one thing every day, that God, at least I will do those, that one thing and I know that every single day there will be something that is done that I will not regret. That there's something that is done that will say that this day was worthwhile, was worth living. Let's go ahead and just spend some time in quietness before the Lord. Go ahead and let your worries just fall from your shoulders. It's not your responsibility. God will take care of these things. Let your preoccupations fall from your shoulders. There's no fear. There's no fear. 